I hope that you will turn with me in a Bible to Hebrews chapter 11. We will start there before we get to Genesis chapter 50. Hebrews 11. Looking at verse 22. Verse 22. There we read, By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Well, just as we've seen in the prior individuals named here, Jacob and Isaac, we're left wondering, why is this the detail, the example of faith that the Holy Spirit has given to us? Joseph, after all, lived one of the most interesting lives recorded in the Bible, just like his father Jacob. In some ways, Joseph's life is even more interesting. This is a man who was sold into slavery by his brothers after they had decided not to kill him. Their first impulse was to kill him. You recall the story? And it was only because of the intervention of one of his brothers, Reuben, to say, no, do we have to kill him? Let's not kill him. That he ended up being sold into slavery in Egypt. And yet, even when he was in Egypt, God prospered him and, and he rose up the ranks of authority in Egypt. And he remained steadfast and refused to commit adultery with the Egyptian official Potiphar's wife, despite her many advances. Surely that would be an example of faith, would it not? And then later on, when there's a famine in the land of Canaan and Jacob, his father, and his brothers all have to come down to Egypt. And Joseph could not have been more gracious. He ends up even forgiving his brothers who sold him into slavery. He ends up telling them that you intended this for evil. You intended to harm me, but God intended this for good, to save many lives. Surely that would be an example of faith, that kind of forgiveness. But we're not told any of that here. What we're told about is the instructions he gave concerning his bones. And we may think, who cares about his bones? And there's so much in popular thinking today that says it doesn't really matter what you do with human remains. You want to cremate them, you want to bury them, you want to scatter them, it doesn't matter, it's up to you, because your soul is off in heaven somewhere if there is an, even an afterlife at all. And what matters is your soul, and it doesn't really matter what happens to your body. And yet here, Joseph is impressing upon his hearers instructions concerning his bones. Why? Why? One takeaway from what we've seen in Isaac and Jacob and now Joseph is that what God chooses to highlight, what God notices, can be very different from what we choose to highlight. What stands out in God's eyes can be very different from what stands out in our eyes. 
what we choose to, to key on and say that is what matters in a life, God says, no, that's not what really matters. I see this. So let's appreciate that about this God. He sees things that we don't see. He notices things we don't notice. His ways are not our ways. And we praise him and thank him for it. But another takeaway here is that in each of these cases, we're told about when the individual is about to die. When Joseph was nearing his end. And what the Holy Spirit is showing us is the inseparable connection between your faith and your death. Your faith and your death. And what we need to know is that the authenticity, the realness, the genuineness of our faith, of your faith, will be revealed by the way you approach your death. And a faith that does not prepare you to die well is no faith at all. It's been said that death is the acid test of faith. When you know your death is imminent, and we try not to think about it as long as we can, and we think of funeral planning, end-of-life planning is something you do toward the end of your life, right? That's when you have to start thinking about it. And before then, it's not really a concern. But genuine faith, authentic faith, learns to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Have you learned to number your days by faith? Have you gained a heart of wisdom from God? This is the test of, of the authenticity of our faith. And in Joseph, we see authentic faith. And we see it because his bones provide, you might say, a sermon. A tangible, physical sermon, a reminder to all those who hear these instructions and remember these instructions. His bones preach. Bones can preach, believe it or not. And so we want to see what the bones of Joseph are preaching. And for that, we turn to the very end of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. What are these bones saying? We'll pick up our reading at verse 22. Genesis 50, verse 22. Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children, also the children of Machir, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110. And after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt.
So what are his, his bones saying? The first thing we see is that death is inescapable. Death is inescapable. No matter who you are, death is inescapable. We read in verse 24, I am about to die. I am about to die. And let's notice that he says these words after living a long and prosperous life. He lives 110 years. He lives to see his grandchildren, to have his grandchildren placed on his knees, to be able to see them and rejoice in them. What a blessing. All grandparents know this. What a blessing, right? He lives this long and prosperous life, and yet even for Joseph, death eventually comes. He also lives a very faithful life. As I outlined prior to this, this is a man who endured intense, intense temptation and stood firm. All alone. He's in the land of Egypt. There's no one around him who worships the God of Israel. He's all alone. And yet he remains steadfast and faithful. A long, prosperous, and faithful life for Joseph. Yet, the wages of sin is death. No matter how faithful or unfaithful you are. And it goes back to the curse that the Lord God placed upon the man and the woman in the garden, Adam and Eve. You are dust, and to dust you will return. No matter who you are, no matter whether you you live a, a short life or a long life, prosperous life or a life of poverty, you are dust, and to dust you will return. And every single death Every single funeral is a reminder of this curse. Every single death happens as a result of sin. It doesn't mean there's any one particular sin that caused that death. This is what happens to all of us because we all are born under the same curse. Because we're all sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. Death is simply inescapable. And it is good for us to be reminded of this. It is good for us to be reminded that we sin just as our mothers and fathers did before us. And just as our sons and daughters will after us. We also break God's laws. We also choose our own way. We also think that we are better off without God. We also think that God's commands are burdensome and unnecessary indispensable. That's you, that's me, that's all of us. And as a result, as a just consequence of that, we all will die unless the Lord Jesus comes back before then. More on that shortly. Otherwise, we all will die. This body will waste away and decompose. But we don't like to think about that. But Joseph ensures that his bones 
are preserved. And remember, this is Egypt. They're pretty good at this kind of thing. They've perfected the science of preserving human remains, mummies. So he's saying, mummify me, in effect, keep me in a casket, and then when God visits you and brings you out of this place, take me with you, take my bones with you. And so his bones are a constant reminder of his death. Even Joseph, great man that he was, died. And so must you and I. It was an ancient tradition for monks to keep a skull in their studies. And my dad actually has, has a, not a, a real skull, but a wooden skull on a shelf, always has in his study. As a constant reminder, that's going to be me one day. It may seem gory, it may seem morbid, we don't want to think about that, but it's reality. And I encourage you from time to time, go spend some time in a cemetery. I'm serious. Go spend some time where human remains have been placed and think about that. And remember, that's going to be me one day. And pray, Lord, teach me to number my days. Lord, remind me how short and fragile and uncertain life is in this world that I may gain a heart of wisdom, that I may live well, that I may live faithfully so that I might die well. But that's not the only thing Joseph's bones preach. Look again at verse 24. He says, I am about to die, but God, but God will surely come to your aid. God will visit you. Could there be any better conjunction, any better transition, any more hopeful transition? But God, I'm about to die. Don't look to me anymore. Look to God. And so Joseph's bones proclaim, they preach, they announce, they herald forth that God is our only hope in life and in death. God is your only hope in life and in death. But God, don't count on any other human figure. Joseph's saying, I'm passing away. Don't look to me for help anymore. Look to God. He's the one who will visit you. He's the one who will bring you out of this land. Don't fix your eyes on the pastor. Don't fix your eyes on your parents or your grandparents. Don't fix your eyes on a political leader. Don't fix your eyes on any leader in this world. They will die too. But God, God is the everlasting one. He is the one who can give everlasting life. We also should beware of counting on the prosperity of this world. Remember, Joseph is in Egypt. He is second only to Pharaoh. It doesn't get any better than this. 
prosperity. And yet, he's saying to them, no matter how good Egypt may look to you right now, no matter how prosperous or comfortable it may look to you right now, that's not your home. God has promised a better place. He, he's promised Canaan, and he will bring you there. And it may be that prosperity is our most severe trial. Why? Because when times are good, when things are going well, that's when we tend to let our guard down. And we think that we're independent. And we lose sight of our dependence upon God. We forget that apart from him, we can do nothing. Life is good. We're in Egypt. What more do you want? Why would we want to go to Canaan, this place that our forefathers have only camped in, really? And it's occupied by other nations. We would have to wage war to have that land. There's no reason to hope for that. It seems completely impossible, unnecessary, improbable. And that's the same thing that people say about heaven, is it not? Especially when times are good. When we're enjoying life in this world, we want it to continue. We want to capture this moment in time and multiply it. We enjoy our family. We enjoy the things of this world, and we want that to continue, do we not? And it's good and right for us to enjoy what God has given to us. It's good and right for us to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. But this is not your home. Don't get too comfortable. Don't hold on too tightly to Egypt. Because while this Pharaoh may be kind, the next one will not be so. Circumstances can change in an instant, can they not? You're only one doctor's visit away from life-altering news. You're only one news report from life-altering circumstances. Do you realize that? Life in this world is short and uncertain. Don't count on it. Don't lean on prosperity to save you. It can't and it won't. Don't count on Egypt. Don't count on this world. It can't save you. God, and only God, is our hope in life and in death. He remains the same. He does not change. His love is forever. His love is unfailing. Are you counting on his love today? Do you know his love for you? Or not? And then we see this truth. When he tells them, God will come to your aid, he will visit you, he will take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We see that those who trust God also trust in God's timing. Those who trust in God also trust in God's timing. Hundreds of years will pass. Israel spends 400 years in Egypt. 400 years. This all seems so improbable and even impossible. Right now they're thinking, why would we want to leave Egypt at all? And they certainly can't foresee a time where they would be enslaved by the Egyptians. And even if they were enslaved, they certainly can't imagine a scenario where 
these people, these sojourners, these pilgrims, are able to overcome the mighty Egyptians. One of the most powerful nations of this time and place. How could that be? you got to be kidding me. Why would this even be necessary? Plus, Canaan is occupied. There are other people living there. God may have promised us that, but why do, we don't need that. But if you trust God as Joseph did, you look to his bones, and you remember Joseph said, God will visit us. And indeed, God did. God sent Moses to lead his people through the Red Sea. He parted the waters for his people to pass through, and he crashed the waters on his people's enemies. And yet, that visitation of God was only a foreshadowing of God's greatest visitation when he sent his one and only son to address the real enemy, sin, the sin that's in you and in me, the sin that is so deceptive, the sin that our enemy uses to lie to us, to make sin look so good, so attractive, that lies to us to tell us, God doesn't really care about your best interest. Go ahead. Try a little. You're strong enough. Just a peek. Just a taste. Go ahead. Doesn't it look good? Oh, that's in you. It's in me, isn't it? And the just consequence of that is eternal death because we have sinned against an eternal God. But God sent his one and only son to live the life you have not lived, to be obedient where you have failed, to die on the cross in your place, to absorb in his body God's wrath, his good, holy, just wrath against sin. He absorbed it for sinners like you and like me. And God raised him from the dead. That's God's visitation. God will surely come to you, and he will bring you out. And he's already gone ahead to prepare a place for his people. So do not let your hearts be troubled. No matter what may happen in this world, he has prepared a place for his people in the ultimate Canaan, in heaven. A new heaven and a new earth. So if you trust in God, you will also trust in his timing. Joseph doesn't know when this is going to happen. He doesn't know the name of Jesus. He doesn't know the extent to which God is going to intervene to save his people. But he trusts God's word. And also notice this. He names Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, in each case, these men received visions from God. God appeared to them to promise them. Joseph has not received any of that. Joseph believes on the testimony of his fathers. And that's exactly where we stand today. We have not received and we won't receive the visions that God provided to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But we have the testimony of those who have gone before us. We have the inspired, true, and trustworthy testimony of the Scriptures. We have the witness of our grandparents in the faith and our parents in the faith. Will you believe, no matter how long it takes, because there is a visitation yet to come when the Lord Jesus returns. And this table 
and the elements on this table proclaim his death until he returns. They show us this is not the end. So also, Joseph's bones show us death won't have the last word for God's people. Death won't have the last word for God's people because the same Jesus who lived, who died, who was resurrected, he will return. He will return. And when he does so, there will be a resurrection. A resurrection. And no matter how human remains have been preserved or not preserved, they will be resurrected. They will be resurrected. Hear these words from 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 51. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death does not have to have the last word. Because as agonizing and painful as death is in this life, that's only the first death. There is a second death, an eternal death. And those who trust in Christ, those who have the faith of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, who receive the gift of God's grace, who rest and what God has done for them, need not fear the second death. Is that you? Is this a day you believe in? Is this a day you're looking forward to? If so, hear these words. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm, brothers and sisters. Let nothing move you. Remember the bones of Joseph. He said God would visit us and take us out, and indeed he did. And praise be to God, we have something better than the bones of Joseph. We have the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the power of an indestructible life that shows us if you trust me, if you're one of my sheep, if you hear my voice, if you hear me calling your name, and you follow you don't have to fear death. Do you have that assurance today? Do you have that assurance? Joseph had it. Joseph had it. Do you have it? Are you ready for this day, the great day of resurrection or not? I pray that you would be. I pray that the Holy Spirit would either bring about faith for the very first time in your heart or would strengthen and restore your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ so that you could praise God. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? 
And many, of course, don't want to wait. And, and, and there, there is a childish immaturity within all of us. We're ready for it now. I don't want to wait. How long is it going to take? Can you give me an end date? But maturity, maturity, gaining a heart of wisdom is seen when you say it doesn't matter when it happens. I'm at peace with God no matter when it happens. I'm safe and secure in him. I trust him no matter what, no matter how long it takes. I have that assurance. And this table bears witness to his promise, to his word. May we receive it. May we give thanks. May we trust him, come what may, as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we prepare together around this table, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us to examine our hearts. Help us to discern whether or not Christ is present in us by faith. Help us to see whether or not we're trusting in him. And to the extent that we have failed, Lord, to the extent that we have drifted, to the extent that we've never trusted him at all, Lord, open the eyes of our hearts. Help us to see by faith what we cannot see with our eyes. But Lord, we thank you that you have provided these simple, tangible reminders of your love for your people. I pray that they would be enough for us. I pray that we would rest in you, come what may. No matter what may happen, Lord, to these physical bodies, these bodies that are dying as we pray, wasting away, that are subject to corruption, so subject to corruption, Lord, we pray and we thank you that you can transform these bodies, that the perishable can be clothed with the imperishable, that we can enjoy eternal life. Lord, may we look forward to that day. May we not cling so tightly to the things of this world that we fail to look forward to heaven, to your presence. Lord, may this meal remind us May this meal be impressed upon our hearts today. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.